Hello everyone, welcome to this weekend's worship at CVL. My name is Tim Spiegelberg. As always, I'm the pastor here at Carbon Valley Lutheran Church in Firestone, Colorado. I'm happy that you're joining us this weekend on this Independence Day weekend uh, for worship. Um, as always, just a couple announcements as we get started. Uh, live worship, in-person worship, outdoor COVID worship is ongoing at CVL. We're doing our very best to follow all the CDC guidelines and keep you safe in that regard. So those of you that have been able to come, we thank you for that. Uh, those of you that have made the choice to continue staying home, in many cases, I think that's a great choice. So we're going to continue serving you uh, with this digital format, and you're going to be able to dig into God's Word uh, um, in this way uh, for all the foreseeable future for much into the future. So um, that's about my only announcement this morning for this weekend. And so let's jump into our worship service today. Uh, you can find it, uh, this service folder, in the very same spot that you're finding this video. So you're welcome to follow along there. Uh, we also are going to have it on the screen for you. So you should be able to follow along in that manner as well. So let's begin the worship of our Lord. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. We have come into the presence of God who created us to love and serve him as his dear, dear children, but we have disobeyed him and deserve only his wrath and punishment. Therefore, let us confess our sins to him and plead for his mercy, and you're welcome to join along with me at home. Merciful Father in heaven, I am altogether sinful from birth. In countless ways I have sinned against you and do not deserve to be called your child. But trusting in Jesus my Savior, I pray, Lord, have mercy on me according to your unfailing love. Cleanse me from my sin and take away my guilt. God, our Heavenly Father, has forgiven all of your sins. By the perfect life and innocent death of our Lord Jesus Christ, he has, forgive, for, he has forgiven your sins and removed your guilt forever. You are his own dear child. Now may God give you strength to live according to his will. Let us pray. Lord, lead us to love deeply, which means honestly, forthrightly, and transparently. You did that for us as you laid down your life on the cross. Lead our forgiveness to cause us to forgive others in our lives. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. At this time, we'll continue with our children's lesson. So if you've got little ones at home, this is a great time to gather them together. And I've got a message that's intended just for them. Hi kids, I hope that your 4th of July holiday weekend is going well. I think that there's probably all kinds of excitement uh, and maybe it's a little bit different this year, but whenever you have a holiday, I'm guessing that your mom or your dad do all kinds of preparation. Maybe they clean the house. Maybe they bought you some sparklers or or uh, other fireworks for 4th of July. Uh, maybe they prepare their schedule. Maybe they prepare food ahead of time. So we we when we know something's coming, we get prepared. Well, that's true uh, if we're going outside as well, camping. I brought for you along, uh, this is a bracelet made out of paracord that my dad gave to all of 
our kids and all the cousins. Now, this is a, a kind of preparation bracelet. So it's got a few things that are that's neat about it. Uh, number one, it's made of that paracord. So you can you can tie things up. If you needed to stake down a tent or, or, or pull something up in a tree, you can use that paracord. Second thing that this thing has is it's got a little bit of a compass. Maybe you can see that. And a compass tells us where to go. It gives us a guidance. It says, this is where you're headed, right? If you're headed north. It also has a little bit of a whistle in case there's any bears or anything that's outside or you just need to get somebody's attention. It's got a whistle. And the last one that I think is pretty cool is it's got a little bit of a fire starter. Now watch this. This is magnesium. Maybe you can see that on the camera. Yeah, so you can actually start a fire with that. Now, this bracelet is kind of neat because what it does is it prepares us for what's coming. And we may not know what's coming, so that's how come it's got a lot of different things on it, but it at least helps us be prepared. Well, a man named Peter wanted us to be prepared as well for Jesus when he's going to return someday. And Peter says this, he says, the end of all things is near, therefore be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. So do you hear that? Peter wants us to be prepared for Jesus to come back. Well, how do we do that? Well, Peter gives us a really good way. He says in prayer, right? We go to our God in prayer and God prepares us because we don't know when Jesus is going to return. We don't know if it's today, tomorrow, during this, this Independence Day weekend. We don't know when Jesus is going to return. So Peter says, be clear-minded so that you can pray. And that praying reminds us that Jesus is coming and it puts all of our worries and our concerns and all those things at the foot of Jesus and we know that he's going to be with us. So we may not know exactly when he's going to come, but we do know he's coming. And Peter says we can be prepared through prayer, knowing that we are forgiven, that we are loved, and that Jesus is coming back to find us. So let's do that. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for preparing our hearts. We thank you for reminding us that we are forgiven and that we are loved. And we ask that you prepare us for your return. Help us to love others deeply and to be ready for when you come. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And we'll continue with our word, our selection from God's word today. Our first selection is from 1 Peter chapter 4 verses 7 through 11. And as you know, uh, this is our ongoing study of the book of 1 Peter in our Love Local Sermon Series. And this will be the basis for our sermon this morning as well. So we read from 1 Peter chapter 4. We'll begin at verse 7. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each one of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of our Lord. Our gospel reading for today is from John chapter 13. We're going to read verses 31 through 38. 
In this, Jesus just reminds us on the evening of his death that we ought to love one another. And in fact, that, that our love for one another and for the world around us will be what sets us apart from the unbelieving world in which we live. So read from John chapter 13. We're going to begin at verse 31. When he was gone, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the Son in himself and will glorify him at once. My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, Where I am going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Then Jesus answered, Will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly, I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. This is the Gospel of our Lord. Hello, everyone. Welcome on this weekend of Independence Day, 4th of July weekend. Pray that everyone is enjoying that and celebrating that. Uh, you can probably see that I'm in a little bit different circumstances, a little bit different surroundings than uh, my normal worship, and that's because I'm doing what maybe many of you are doing over this weekend. I get to spend a little bit of time with family and friends up in up in Cody, Wyoming. So, uh, But that's that's a really important part of what we're doing this weekend, isn't it? When we, when we celebrate Independence Day, um, we, we get together with family and friends. We get together with people that we love. Um, We have traditions and things that we do surrounding that, but all of that is based on the reality of something, isn't it? So something happened, therefore we celebrate. Something happened, therefore um, um, we act and our lives are a little bit different afterwards. In this case, this Independence Day weekend, uh, what happened was the independence of our nation. So the, the freedoms that we have, the fact that we can worship, whether it's at home or, or in a COVID-safe way publicly, uh, the fact that we, can, we have those freedoms came through the hard-fought wins of, of our country. And so Independence Day is we, we celebrate a reality that happened, that our country is now free and we are we are. Uh, um, afforded certain freedoms and things that come from that. So if you think about it that way, Independence Day, uh, we celebrate and, and everyone celebrates and it means slightly different things to different people, but it doesn't change the fact of what happened, that we became an independent nation. And because of that, there are what we'd maybe talk about are ongoing ripples of ramifications for us as a nation, for us as individuals, and for our families. And so you're in the midst of that. Uh, this Independence Day weekend, that's what you're celebrating. Uh, all of the things that flow from that and all of the traditions and all those things that you have in that place. But maybe it's not Independence Day. Are there events that have happened in your life that are so transformative that were so significant, either in good ways or in bad ways, but that were so significant that your life never has looked the same afterwards. 
maybe going through your head just a little bit. Um, for me, I'm a father, father of four, and so each birth of a child, especially birth of our first child, um, life never really looked the same afterwards. It looked better, it looked more beautiful, but it never looked the same afterwards when you've had a child. Maybe it's, it's um, a, a certain job and career that you were afforded, right? And, and, and that opened up other doors and other windows of opportunity. And so, so life doesn't look the same afterwards. But we also know that in all of these transformative moments aren't necessarily good ones. So maybe some of you are sitting at home and saying, yeah, but I actually lost a job. And life has never looked the same after that. Uh, I actually maybe lost a child or I lost a family member and life has never been quite the same afterwards. And so I think when we come to these things, we come to these realities, we understand as humans that there are both good and bad, but there are transformative moments in your life where life looks different afterwards, sometimes better, sometimes worse. Um, but, but these moments cause ripples of effect that come flowing out of them. Today, really, that's what Peter wants us to look at. Look at. When we talk about um, the ripples of effect of what it looks like in a, the life of a Christian, we're going to look specifically at the cross and what Christ has done. But we also, Peter is pointing us to saying that there is an effect. There are ripples of effects, and those are seen in your life in how you treat the people around you, whether in your family or in your community. And so that's specifically what we want to look at today in our last selection uh, from 1 Peter. And if you've been with us over the past four weeks, this is our fifth sermon on uh, our Love Local series. And so we are looking at the ongoing impact that we can have on the local communities in which we live. So not just us personally, not just within our church at CBL, but in the greater community in which we minister. And I pray it does the same for you at home. And, and so we are on our very last one here and, and we're gonna ask ourselves, okay, we've gone through all of these things, what event happened, but also how does that event inform how I act and how I treat the people in our lives. Most importantly, how I look or how I love differently in my local community. And so that's gonna be our theme actually today. Uh, when we love local, we wanna ask ourselves, how can we love differently? So not like everybody else, because the event that, we, that has changed our hearts has made us different in a good way for the sake of our community. And that's where Peter's going to head us today. That's what we're going to look at today from 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 7 through 11. You're welcome to follow along with me on the screen if you'd like, um, or just listen to my voice. But we're going to break this text down kind of into three different areas. Uh, um, Peter talks to us and he comes and he's going to talk about the reality of the event of what happened and what is to come. He's gonna talk about us being clear-minded or being sober in our thought, but then he breaks it down into kind of three different areas. Um, I would call these ripples of effect in our lives as Christians, and thus ripples of effect and witnessing within our local community, so when we love local. Those three things are, uh, we're gonna ask ourselves how we can love earnestly, how we can be hospitable, and how we can uh, be of service. So those three things, um, love earnestly, be hospitable, and in service in our Christian life. And Peter's gonna kind of, gonna kind of guide us there. So um, let's jump into our text. I'm gonna read for you the very first verse because it really sets up everything that comes afterwards. This is what Peter says in chapter four, verse seven. 
It says, the end of all things is near, therefore be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Now, we're going to pause right there because really, Peter is putting before us the reality of the event that changes our hearts and changes our Christian living here going on forward. And so he starts that out. He says, the end of all things is near, which sounds like a very apocalyptic. But in reality, it is apocalyptic because Jesus has said, I am going to return. I am going to come back someday. Now, he has not given us the day and the time. We do not know exactly when he's going to come. But for us as believers, this is not a thing of fear. This is, this is uh, um, your father or your mother, your best friend, uh, your, your spouse coming back home. These are not things of fear. This is someone that is going to come that, is, that we love. This is the family, the best family reunion we could ever have. This is the person that we love most dearly and that we know our love, that love us most dearly, that knows us most deeply returning to our doorstep. That's the picture we have of Jesus. And when Peter says the end of all things is near, he is saying Jesus is going to return. Now, Peter is saying that because he is building on the reality of what Jesus had already done. And I've hinted at this already maybe in our introduction, but that's exactly what changes us as believers. None of this matters. Um, we cannot ever hope of loving local. We cannot ever hope of, of loving our family and the people around us. We can't hope of being uh, believers and making an impact on our world during our time of grace unless we hold firmly and truly understand what has happened. And so what Peter's saying when he says the end is near, he's actually pointing back to the end of Jesus' life, his death and his resurrection. And so he points us as believers back to that reality of who Jesus was, that he lived, he lived perfectly, he died on the cross, and he rose again. Those are, are facts that cannot and that do not change. And so Peter is saying that is true. Therefore, all these things that come after it are true as well. In fact, he uses that word. He says, the end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. So Peter is leveraging our Christian living, our hope of making an impact in our community. He's leveraging all of that on Jesus. Now, why is that important? Because that's where our power for Christian living comes from. And if you don't leverage if, if our Christian living isn't being informed and motivated and, and empowered by Christ, by his death and resurrection, then it's being empowered by something else. And, and we ask ourselves, well, what exactly would that be? Well, maybe it's, it's our own cleverness. Maybe it's our own um, maneuvering. Maybe it's our own ability. Maybe it's all the things that, that we take into our own hands and say, this is going to, to allow me to make an impact in my world. But what Peter's really saying is, None of the, all of those things matter, but they don't really matter unless they are flowing from the reality of who Jesus is, the forgiveness that we have in him. And so that's not a minor point. If we want to talk about Christian living or making an impact in our local community, it always has to begin at Christ. And Peter uses that word, therefore. So all he's saying is, Jesus died, he rose again, your sins are forgiven, your hearts have been changed from death to life, therefore, your life will look different. Therefore, you will act in ways that are different. Therefore, you, how you act will inform the people around you where your heart lies. That's really all that Peter is saying. 
That's the joy we get. When we talk about the end of all things is near, um, that the reality of it is, is that very same Jesus who laid down his life for us on the cross is going to come back someday. And we do not know the exact time, but we know that it is sooner now than it was an hour ago. We know that Christ is coming and he will come and set things right in our hearts, in our lives, in our world. And so Peter says, be of sober mind and be alert. Now, he mentioned this once before. In fact, if you were with us three or four sermons ago, we talked about uh, that importance of being sober-minded. So it means being clear. It means uh, not being clouded by the things of this world, but, but rather letting Christ's reality, death and resurrection, clear our minds to his return and to what is truly important this side of heaven. And so Peter wants us to be sober. He wants us to be clear-minded. And what's interesting in this first verse is he goes even a step further. He also says, be alert. I actually like the translation of, of be self-controlled. Uh, and, and one other translation can even be, mean sane, right? So Peter is saying, be sober and be sane, right? So understand the things that are happening around you. And, and the world may look as though it's out of control. And the world may say, these things are incredibly important and these things over here are not. But Peter is saying, you, you must see through those things and be sober and clear-minded because Christ is nearer now than he was before. And I think that's a really important thing for us as believers. We're in the midst uh, of continuing midst of COVID and, and, and we had a peak and we went down and now it very much feels as though things are, are ramping up again. And, and I think we, we look into our world, and we're not able to worship in the same way that we want. We're not able to do the same things that we've always done. And that's where I think Peter comes to us as believers and says, be sober. Be self-controlled. Be sane. Understand what is important. And what's most important in the eyes of God? Us. You. And you know that, right? That is the most important. You are the most important thing in God's eyes. That's why Jesus laid down his life for you on the cross. People are what is the most important thing in life, in our lives, right? And in our world. And so um, he, he focuses us on that. He says, you matter. The people in your life matters because they matter to God. And so Peter starts us out in that way. Be self-controlled, be sober. And, and, that's, and when you do that, then you have a chance of living your life in a way that is different. And that actually cuts through the clutter and the paranoia and the panic and the emotion of everything that's happening. Peter says, be self-controlled and sober. Focus on people and the love of Christ, and you're going to look different and be able to cut through some of the, the fog of what this world puts around us. The wonderful thing is Peter gives us three specific ways that we can do that. Um, three, I think, powerful um, witnessing tools, three powerful ways that we can cut through the fog of what is happening in the world around us and really love differently than the world around us. And by doing so, ultimately giving praise to Jesus and to the forgiveness that we have in him. So let's jump into those three. So uh, it's going to be love earnestly, be hospitable, and we want to love local in service. So those three areas. We'll begin with verse, uh, verse 8. rather. He says, Above all, love each other deeply, 
because love covers over a multitude of sins. Now, this is a real fascinating one because Peter goes kind of above and beyond to, to say how important this love in action is. Now, we've talked about different times that the Greek language has three or four different, actually, words that are all translated in English for love. Um, but maybe the highest one, the most beautiful one of those, is the Greek word agape, which means unconditional love. And, and almost exclusively, when God de deals with us as human beings, he always uses that word agape, unconditional love. It means um, love that does not um, expect anything in return. It means love in action, not just in word or in sentiment. So it, th this is a, an acting love. Um, Peter uses that word agape in our text. When he says love each other deeply, he is saying um, unconditionally. He, says, he is saying to love in action. But he goes even a step further. He uses that word deeply. And actually, um, I like uh, maybe a little better translation is earnestly. So love each other earnestly. So he's almost saying not just love, which is, which is, is, and not just picking that word love, which is of the most importance, but do it earnestly. So he's doubling down on our love. He's saying um, we, we ought to love not just with words, you know, although that's a part of it, but in action actually love one another. And he says uh, it covers over a multitude of sins. And that doesn't mean that love excuses sins. And it doesn't mean that that love somehow um, ignores sins. In fact, love, that's the opposite of love. Love doesn't allow someone to continue hurting themselves and say nothing. That is, that is, that is coldness. That is not love. But what Peter is saying is that when we love deeply, when, when we are robed in love and when we robe others in that love, uh, it, it allows us to forgive. It asks for forgiveness. It grants forgiveness. It allows family units to get through difficult times and sins that they've committed against one another. But of course, that never happens in your family, right? Well, sure it does. This is Independence Day weekend. You're probably getting together with some family and friends. Maybe they're smaller celebrations than they were. Um, but there may, might also be lots and lots of family members that you're not getting together with because there is so much animosity. It's kind of what Peter is addressing here. Um, and, and throughout these things, when we talk about loving earnestly, being hospitable and serving, uh, I kind of want us to think in two different terms. Uh, not only how does this affect me and my family and the people that are close to me, but I also want to think uh, in terms of how does this affect and witness to the larger community in which we live. And we say, okay, well, who is Peter talking about here? When he says love earnestly, is he saying you should love earnestly uh, your family members? Yes. Is Peter also talking about loving earnestly the stranger in your community and even our enemies? The answer is yes. See, I don't think he's necessarily delineating. And for us as believers, we like to kind of, I think, maybe put things into boxes. Say, well, God expects me to love my family, but, but my enemy and, and the people in my community, surely he doesn't expect me to love them. And the reality of it is, you know that's not true. Jesus' love knew no bounds. He died for sinners of which we were part of. And so, Peter urges us to love earnestly, love deeply. And we're going to talk about that kind of on that spectrum, not only those that he's placed into our lives, but also those that are outside of our lives, in our community, um, and, and when we love local. And these should not be two separate things. We should not have uh, a set of love for the people that are 
our, our family members and, and then treat people that we don't know in a different way. And that's exactly what Peter is talking about. He says, love deeply, love earnestly, and let that love know no bounds. But it's incredibly hard. And this is an area where I think it's maybe harder to love our family and the people that, that are close to us at times than even our enemy and the people in our community. For example, I think within my own life, um, th- there are certain social parameters and politeness that, that you just have to extend. And so when you're out in the community and, and uh, bump into a stranger, you say, oh, I'm sorry. Pardon me, excuse me, right? Um, um, we, we, in fact, at times are much more gracious, much more loving, much more considerate to people, to strangers, people that we don't know at all, than at times we are to the people that we love in our families, maybe in our churches, people that we consider friends and say, well, why is that? Well, it's because we know the deep-seated issues with people in our lives, and they know us and so it's much easier satan has a much easier time having us turn against those that we spend the most time with and that's why peter says love agape love not just love in word but also in action and do it deeply this is something that we have to act upon if you want to love local and if you want to love differently and if you want the our community to see that and if you want your family and friends to see that it flows from Christ, the agape love he showed us. We are to love deeply in action, both our family and the people outside of our walls in our communities. But that deep love will show itself uh, and, and will make an impact and a witness on the community around us. So that's the first one. Peter says, if you want to love differently, you need to love earnestly. But the second one is be hospitable. So verse 9. He says, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. And this one's fascinating. So uh, verse 9, offer hospitality to one another. This one specifically is is meant a little bit more towards the stranger. So actually, um, our community, whether uh, you are in Firestone or whatever community you're in, but we ought to be people that are seen as hospitable people, not inclusive, not clicky, not only offering hospitality and love um, within our church walls or to the people that we love, but we, in general, Peter is saying, you ought to be people of hospitality. And what is exactly, what exactly does that mean? Well, hospitality um, actually it, it points us directly to opening our hearts and our lives and our doors to strangers, to people that are in need. Right? To those that, that don't have what we have, um, to, to our, our homes and our hearts, that we ought to be people that are quick to be hospitable rather than finding reasons why we can't help in this moment. And that's hard to do, isn't it? Because it's not hard for us to figure out reasons not to help. It's not hard to figure out reasons not to be hospitable because our house isn't quite ready. It's not quite big enough. Um, I don't have the time because I've got so much other things, so many other things going on. Um, all of these things kind of run through our minds and, and we instantly have a checklist of reasons why we don't need to be hospitable or, or um, don't need to open our hearts or our lives uh, to someone in need. But probably the biggest one is past hurt. Have you ever been hospitable and had that hospitality taken advantage of? I bet you have. 
all of us have, right? Where we've opened our hearts and opened our homes and had and feel as though we've been taken advantage of, right? That someone has come into our selflessness and just taken all that they could, maybe even hurt us in the process. And what is our instinct in that moment? What is our ongoing instinct? When we've been hurt, it's to close ourselves off, to close off our hearts, to close off our homes, to close off our friendships, to not open up ourselves to, to the people around us, to simply wall off our hearts and our lives in a vain effort not to be hurt anymore. But you know that that isn't possible because the more walls you put around the, your heart, the colder that heart becomes. The more walls you put around your home and your hospitality, the more rules you place on that hospitality, the less and less you will actually do it until you're left alone inside of your own um, reality. So Peter says, be hospitable. Open up our hearts and our lives to the people around us, both to um, members within our church, family members, and to the people within our community. If anyone ought to be seen as people of hospitality, it ought to be Christians who are ongoing reflections of the hospitality, in fact, the love and the forgiveness that we have in Christ. That ought to be reflected in our lives in how we treat others because we know we have it, because Christ opened his heart to you. Your sins are forgiven. You are loved. That's the hospitality that we have in Jesus Christ. And so Peter says, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. And that last word is fascinating. <laughs> um, grumbling. What does that mean? It means, don't do, it means do it without gossip without um, doing the right thing, but whispering under your breath. In fact, that Greek word is, is almost, uh, um, not almost, that Greek word is, is, uh, has this feeling of like murmuring, like a low grumble, almost like your stomach grumbling when it's hungry. So this low murmur. And you know what that feels like, don't you? Uh, where, where you've either done it or, or had someone do it to you, where they will, they will put on a smile but you know, as soon as they walk out the door, there's this grumbling and murmuring, right? I'll, I'll do what you want to do, but I'm going to speak poorly about you every ch last chance that I get afterwards. And you want to know why we do that? Because we're smart people. <laughs> because we are, are supposed to be hospitable and, and we are supposed to put on a smile. We're supposed to act in socially appropriate ways and yet our hearts are not in, in it. And so as we go away, we do everything we can verbally or with tone or with even certain expressions to try to undermine the hospitality and the event or whatever happens to be going on. It's this low murmuring that turns into gossip and divisiveness and it absolutely destroys the act of hospitality. And you've probably felt it. You've felt it in your own families when someone will smile, but then the rest of the conversations about you are less than beautiful. You've seen it in churches where um, a church will decide to do something and yet the murmuring and the gossip afterwards and the divisiveness that comes from it nearly tears the church apart. And its effectiveness and its witness and its service in the community is completely destroyed because of the things that come after it, right? And we see it in our community. 
And we're fooling ourselves if we think that those in our community don't see it in us. Or they say, well, these Christians ought to be hospitable and have their homes and hearts open. But I hear them talking and grumbling and murmuring. They really seem to hate one another. <laughs> they really don't seem to enjoy each other. Why in the world would I want to be a part of that? Why in the world would I want to hear more about their Savior that they claim to love when all I hear coming out of their mouths is grumbling and murmuring and gossip? It's a great question to ask of ourselves and maybe ask of our own words, how are they perceived by those that are outside of our world? So Peter, I just find it fascinating. He says, offer hospitality, but then he knows us. He says, hey, but do it without grumbling, <laughs> right? Last one. He asks us to serve. So verse 10, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. And Peter kind of goes on. So he's talking about um, um, not only uh, how we speak, but also how we simply serve and seek to serve. They often say that the death of a Christian family, the death of a marriage, the death of, I would argue, the death of a congregation is or selfishness, right? So selfishness will destroy those incredible institutions that God has put into our lives. Selfishness tears apart rather than brings together. What Peter's talking about here is being selfless in service, using our gifts to serve others. And here's the really amazing thing about that is how selfless, selfishness rather can tear all of those institutions apart. And we've been part of them. We've had um, marriages that crumble, churches that crumble, communities that crumble, relationships that crumble, friendships that crumble. And the heart of almost all of them, I would argue, is selfishness, where we are thinking much more about what we can get out of this relationship than what we are putting into this relationship. And that's why Peter, I think, ends with this. He says, we ought to be people of service that are selfless, that give of our gifts for the benefit of those around us. And he talks about that not just within the church, but also within our community. Do we serve? Do we do so without grumbling? Do we serve? Do we use our gifts for the benefit, not just of, of our family and the people that we love, but for the objective benefit of the community in which we've been placed? In Firestone, Frederick, and Decono, are we people that are willing to serve, to give of our own time, our own efforts, our own finances for the good of our community, not expecting anything in return, but simply doing so because God has blessed us with these gifts to be used for the people around us. And that's the reality of it, isn't it? Now remember, Peter is basing all of this, therefore, on a reality. That reality is Jesus. That reality is Jesus has given you everything that you have, your gifts, your time, your talents, and he's simply asking you, telling you, use those gifts in service to the community around us. What impact will that have? Peter kind of brings it back around at the very end of our verse. He says, so that, uh, in verse 11, if anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. And that's really the point of this entire sermon series, isn't it? Our ripples of effect from Jesus Christ is so that others in our community might see Jesus Christ and the forgiveness that they have in him. That's our only goal here as believers. And 
we do so with a sense of urgency because the end of all things is near. Christ is closer now than he was at the beginning of this sermon. And this is our time of grace, our opportunity to make an impact on the people in our lives and in our community. If we want to love local, we must love differently. And loving differently looks like loving earnestly, being hospitable, and simply serving. I pray the Lord blesses you in doing that in the coming week. I pray the Lord continues to bless us doing that as a congregation, making an impact so that Christ may be praised. Amen. And as always, your generosity is deeply appreciated here at CBL. Uh, your gifts, your donations help us continue to do our gospel ministry right in Carbon Valley and in, in the town of Firestone. So we thank you for that. Uh, you're welcome to give either online or you can send uh, donations directly to us on the address that you'll find on your screen. Today, there's a few people that we want to remember in our prayers. First and foremost, we want to thank our Lord for uh, this Independence Day weekend, for the freedoms that we enjoy to be able to do what we're doing right now, worshiping our God. Second of all, we're going to ask that the Lord continues to keep Claire in, in his caring, loving hands. Uh, Claire still in, in grave condition. We're going to ask that the Lord helps her lungs to start breathing on their own and bring her, bring her back to health and to safety. So let's go to our Lord in prayer. Lord, today on this Independence Day weekend, we thank you for all the ways in which you've blessed us as Americans. We thank you for the freedoms that we enjoy. We thank you for those who have sacrificed so much so that we can enjoy those freedoms. Uh, we ask that we use that freedom of the gospel differently, that we use it to love others, uh, to share the good news that sins are forgiven in you, and, and that we don't ever take that for granted. Lord, we ask that you continue to be with Claire as she is in grave condition. We know that you are a physician, not just of soul, but also of body. And so we ask that you help her lungs recover and do what they are made to do, which, was, which is to breathe on their own. So we ask that you continue to be with her. And Lord, now hear us as we bring you our personal prayers and petitions. And now we pray the prayer you yourself have taught us to pray. Uh, you're welcome to join with me at home as we say the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, brothers and sisters, go in peace, live in harmony with one another, and serve the Lord with gladness. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. Lord, look upon you with favor and grant you his peace. Amen. Lord's blessings on your Independence Day weekend. Everyone stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll see you again here next week.